What's up, men of Harvest? Welcome back to another Men's Valor podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week as we continue our new study in the seven signs. Uh, for those who are wondering whose voice this is, uh, my name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Harvest, and I get to pastor over the young adults ministry and the men's ministry here at our Riverside campus. In this short recording, I had the privilege of sharing Jesus's second sign in John's Gospel, chapter 2, starting in verse 13. This episode of the second sign is better known in the context of the cleansing of the temple. As the narrative goes, after Jesus performed his first public miracle, turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana, he then made his way to Capernaum. The scriptures tell us that as the day of the Passover was approaching, Jesus, being a devout Jew, desired to celebrate with the people of God and went up to Jerusalem and in to the temple. Upon arrival, he saw merchants trading animals and exchanging money in the temple courts. Now, key word here is the temple courts. Verse 15 illustrates for us that Jesus is disturbed by what he sees taking place in the temple courts. And thus he makes a whip of cords and drives them all out uh, of the temple, pouring out the coins and overturning the tables. He then turned to the merchants and said, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. The author then gives commentary that Jesus's disciples remembered in that moment that the word of the psalmist in Psalm 69 said, zeal for your house will consume me. For some of us, when we first heard this part of the gospel story, we were somewhat shocked at the temperament of Jesus and his actions. Perhaps trying to make sense of this, we we say things like it must have been Jesus's humanity, him losing his temper in the moment, just like we would. For others, reconciling the thought that Jesus would become angry with people, specifically God's people, is inconceivable. They say in question, is this the same Jesus who's gentle and lowly? How can a God who is the very essence of love become unloving towards those whom he came to save? Although these questions are good to wrestle with, a better question to ask is, what did Jesus witness in the temple courts that caused him to drive out the merchants? It is at this point we must remember, as the disciples did, that Jesus had done these things because he was consumed with passion for God's house. John makes this clear. But what does it mean for Jesus to be consumed with zeal? Well, some commentators mention the word consume here in the gospel can mean to be eaten up, which sounds kind of odd. It sounds kind of funny to us. But another way to understand this could be when we are so disturbed by something that we see or maybe that we hear that it begins to eat at us until we say or do something about it. Although this could be a negative connotation, depending on what is disturbing us, it can have a positive reaction. In a sense, it is the moment of when what we believe to be true and right is put to the test. Some of you can probably think about a situation when we had or you had to fight for something you truly believed in despite of the outcome. I remember years ago, I had to confront a good friend who was living in sin. I knew the conversation was going to be a hard one. But I knew deep down that God was calling me to confront, lovingly confront, and plead with my friend to turn from what he was doing and to turn back to Christ. And at first, my friend hated me. 
he said things like, who do you think you are, a prophet or something? And I remember those words just stuck with me, that he thought that I was doing something wrong or that I thought too highly of myself. Throughout the conversation, even at times, he made me think that I was the person who was in the wrong. However, I stuck to my guns. I knew that what I was doing was right and honoring in the Lord's eyes. And I told my friend that I loved him and I wasn't here to hurt him or to destroy his life, but I was really just looking out for his best interests in his walk with God. Now, years later, uh, he ended up thanking me for what I did, and we actually remained friends, close friends to this very day. Now, going back to the story of Jesus cleansing the temple, what was Jesus consumed with zeal about? What was eating at him that led him to become so fierce to do something about it? Well, to fully understand this, I believe the answer is discovered by looking at the psalm the Holy Spirit brought to the minds of the disciples. Within Psalm 69, David is said to be opposed by those who despise his reverence for the true worship of God in the temple. He alludes to it in verse 7 in the psalm, stating, For it is for your sake that I have suffered reproach that dishonor has covered my face. This allows us to see that David's sorrow and suffering has come upon him because of his devotion to God. But it's in his suffering for righteousness that he also finds hope in his devotion to God, saying, In the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. In this same spirit of devotion, Jesus is motivated by his concern for true reverence in his father's house, which leads him to drive out the shopkeepers in the courts. For when Jesus entered the courts that day, he did not see a place marked by prayer, but a place marked and made for profit. What is worth noting is that it wasn't uncommon for travelers, pilgrims, to need an honorable sacrifice and to exchange money to pay the temple tax. However, like John points out, it was the location of it. John's gospel in particular mentions that these merchants and shopkeepers were in the temple courts. Knowing the temple culture of the day, we realize that this was the designated area for Gentiles and God-fearers to worship and pray to God. Since they were considered unclean to enter the temple, they had to be at a distance, behind the divided wall, worshiping and praying in the courts. Yet God declared in Isaiah 56, 7, that his house was supposed to be a house for all nations to come and to pray. With this in mind, we realize the Jewish leaders and the business owners did not revere the place of worship, but instead made intentional barriers towards outsiders so that they could not worship and seek God. Jesus was enraged by their lack of respect for his father's house and seeking to restore it. He cleansed the temple of its desecration and drove out those who opposed God, proving that like David, he was the devoted suffering servant. However, Jesus was not the only person offended that day. As he drove the shopkeepers and the owners out of the temple, the temple authorities became angry with Jesus because of his actions in the temple. And instead of realizing Jesus was the devoted servant in Psalm 69, they questioned him, asking, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Their question was concerning Jesus's authority. They basically asked, who do you think you are? And what right do you have to come and change 
the temple dealings. In the same conversation, they demanded for him to prove his authority by giving them a sign as if the cleansing of the temple was not enough. Jesus then answered their question by pointing to a greater sign to come. He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Though the Jewish authorities did not understand what his riddle truly meant, in verse 21, the writer tells us that Jesus was speaking of the temple as in reference to his own body being destroyed and raised on the third day. This sign would later be realized by Jesus' own disciples after they had witnessed his bodily resurrection. Bible commentator Josh Moody makes the remark that what Jesus is saying is that his death and resurrection are actually the way to find access to God. Realizing this, we see Jesus looking beyond the temple standing before him to the day when there will be a new temple where the people of all nations worship God in spirit and in truth. This new temple reconstruction will not be centered on a physical building made with hands or where yearly animal sacrifices are offered repeatedly, but it will be a temple founded on the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. This new temple is where the true worshipers of God will give glory to the Lamb who is slain for the forgiveness of our sin and who is worthy of all of our adoration and praise. It is a temple where God's people are being built up for the eternal kingdom, one person at a time. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, said that through Christ's blood, we have been brought near to God. The dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile has been torn down, and now we are one body being built up as God's holy temple. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 states Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built up together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. If this is true, and we believe it's true, then Jesus' mission to come to earth was in fact to establish a new place of worship where both Jew and Gentile could devote themselves to God without hindrance or hostility. In closing, the text actually leads us to a few points of application. First, it it calls us to believe. We must ask ourselves, from the text, do we believe the greater sign is Jesus' bodily resurrection from the grave, proving that he is the Son of God? Do we find assurance of faith that Jesus is our true cornerstone? That because of him, we have a better temple for worship and we are being built up together as a holy and faith community. This is a profound reality for us as the people of God to think about as we even come to worship every single Sunday. Secondly, if we believe this, we must examine ourselves as the church. We must ask if there are any unnecessary barriers keeping people from coming to worship God in our church. Sometimes we are unaware of the roadblocks we put in front of people as they come to our gatherings. Possibly it could be a a point of legalism or even gossip. People turning away because they hear others gossiping about others. In the movie Jesus Revolution, there's a scene where a church leader did not want the hippies to come into the church because of their feet being dirty. This was a major roadblock to those who were seeking to know God. 
Yet Pastor Chuck did not allow this to deter what was taking place and began to actually wash the feet of those who desired to come in. We too, without moral compromise, must be willing to tear down any wall of hostility for people to come to know God and to seek God in worship. Third, we must rightly know what we're zealous for as we gather as a church. In this story, Jesus was not the only one consumed with zeal. The righteous leaders were consumed with zeal, but for the wrong reasons. They made God's house a place of exchange and not a place of exaltation. They made the temple their idol and the place of profit. Yet, let us look at the word of God as a mirror reflecting into the way that we worship and serve him even on Sunday. For when we gather as the body, it must be for Jesus and Jesus alone and nothing else that we would gather as his people to stir each other up in love and good works and to see him exalted amongst us. So let us consider these things prayerfully, that these applications would continue to let us grow in faith and love and hope together. Well, that is all I have for this podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.